Very cool. Good morning. Good to see everyone. Am I on? Can you hear me? Hey, Vince. Check. Hello, hello, hello. I don't sound right to me. <laughs> That's not unusual. Oh, there we go. Now, all right. Hey, it's just your presence, dude, that did it. That's amazing. Awesome. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Um, Welcome to the bridge. If you're our guest, if you're visiting with us, uh, we're really pleased that you're here. You're joining us on the first week of a new series, and um, we're thrilled that you're going to be a part of this. Hopefully, if it's your first time, you can come back and just be a part of the entire series. Uh, We're calling it Lifeline, and uh, you've seen Brooke up here a little bit. Where'd Brooke go? There she is. Um, You've seen Brooke up here, and um, she's a big part of this series. We're excited to partner with her, have her be a part of this, and uh, we just, we're thrilled. We pray that it will make a huge difference. We pray that it will be something that maybe kickstart something new in your life uh, and in your walk. Um, We're not disconnecting, we're not disconnecting fitness and health from spirituality. We're actually, we're merging and integrating the two. And so we, we believe that and we believe that um, it's going to make a big difference for all of us. Now, I just want to affirm my senior pastor, uh, Pastor Jeff, who was just on fire when he was up here talking about the money. Did you see that? We hit our money goal and Pastor Jeff was, I was like, dude, you should just preach. Just keep on going, right? Uh, but it's an affirmation for the entire church, too, by the way. Sacrifice, giving, all of those things, that's where the rubber meets the road. And um, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's not, just, it's not just this behavior that we're trying to implant and extract from any of us. It reveals the fact that we place our faith and our trust in a God who says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, Right? And he blesses us with resources, and then we get to bless him uh, by giving and sacrificing. So it's a beautiful thing, even though we wait to the last minute. That's all right. Amen. It's all right. It's all right. Um, But it's a beautiful thing when the church collectively gathers and participates and engages. Amen? Amen. Give me a huge amen on that one. I need a little help this morning. I didn't sleep too good last night, so I need a little help, all right? All right. Good to see you. Let's, uh, let's pray and get going. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the gift of a body that we can use in service for you. May we understand a bit clearer this morning, Lord, just what the role of faith is in that. And may we cling to you as our lifeline. Well, we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so now all of us know this, that, and this is what we've been taught. We've been taught that if you come up on someone who's drowning in a pool, what a lovely way to start a sermon, by the way, right? If you come up on someone and they're drowning in the pool, the way you are to help them is to somehow get maybe a long pole, or, or maybe you get, literally, maybe you get a, a rope a lifeline, and you, you throw it to them, right? If you're, if you're lucky enough to maybe, maybe be somewhere where there's a, like one of those ropes with the ring around the end of it that, that floats and it's like a, like a little buoy type of a thing. If you're lucky enough to have one of those, you, 
you stand back where it's safe and you're not drowning and you throw it to them, right? In order to save them, in order to rescue them. Or you get some sort of a line, you reach it out to them and you drag them to safety. At least that's the way we've all been taught, right? Because what you don't want to do is what we often see in TV and movies sometimes, right? But they lie to us. What, we, what you don't want to do is jump in and try to swim to that person who is, who is in trouble and who is drowning because they will likely beat you up because they're fearful and afraid and terrified that they're about to drown. So they're flailing around, gasping for air, trying to keep themselves above the water and they will more than likely not only drown, but they will drown you along with them. And you don't want that, right? So what we've been taught is that we stay at a safe distance, throw them something, and then help pull them back to save them. That's what we've been taught to do to save people who are in trouble in the water so that they don't drown. Now, I want you to think about the gospel and think about how somewhat counterintuitive the gospel is. Because the gospel doesn't operate that, like that. Anything, and anything that we do in this life, especially as it relates to sort of behavior modification types of things, what I want us to think about is that it must be grounded in something much deeper than just the mere outside change. So that's why I'm going here. That's why we're starting with faith as we think about fitness and getting our bodies moving. We want it to be grounded in something much deeper than just changing our waistline and changing some behaviors. We want it to be grounded deeply in a faith because if it, if it comes from that place, it sticks and it's substantial and it's not a burden. It's actually, it's a gift. <sighs> and it's a joy. Wouldn't it be nice to go to the treadmill and it'd be a joy? <laughs> not a burden. Wouldn't it be nice to skip the barbecue and it'd be a joy? I'm still, Lord's still working with me on that one. But um, you follow what I'm saying. And so we, we start with this, this idea of faith. And you think about the gospel, it's all faith. Because the gospel is totally different than the way that we've been taught to rescue people. Jesus comes, the Father sends his son, Jesus, to the pool of humanity. Rather than Jesus stepping way back at a safe distance and tossing us a lifeline, Jesus himself becomes the lifeline. The lifeline isn't just a thing or a theory or a, or a diet plan or some other sort of thing. The, the lifeline is a person. And so that's, 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 how, that's how Jesus works. Jesus comes down to this pool of humanity. He walks among us. He gets right in the middle of us. And sure enough, sure enough, in the same scenario, if we were trying to save someone from a pool, from drowning in a pool, he gets beat up. He gets, in the fear and in the panic of humanity and in the sin of humanity, as Jesus is here, what happens to him? He gets drugged down. He gets beat up. He gets wounded. All because he chooses to take a totally different route in saving us than we would save someone here. He dives in. He gets amongst. He gets close. He doesn't stay away. He gets close to us. And so the Bible tells us this. Uh, if you go to uh, Isaiah 53, listen to this. This is, this is a prediction about this Jesus who would step into the pool of humanity, if you will. He was beaten. He was tortured. 
He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried. He's trying to save us and we beat him up. Justice miscarried and he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare. He had no thoughts of his own for his own well-being, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with the rich man, even though he never hurt a soul, soul or said one word that wasn't true. You see, Jesus steps in to rescue, to save, and we flail around like crazy, panicked, burdened, terrified of this Jesus and who he was and what he was all about, and we destroy him. We kill him. Matthew, the New Testament picks it up this way in Matthew 26, 67. Then they spit in his face. He spit in his face, struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? So the rescuer becomes the enemy. The one trying to save is actually the one who, who gets beat up, who gets pummeled, and gets pummeled to death, by the way. He gets mocked, he gets spat upon, he gets slapped. All these things. All in an effort to save us. And then finally he was hung on a cross and he was placed in a grave. But thankfully, and this is where faith begins to emerge for you and me. Thankfully, he got back up. (laughs) He got back up. Through the power of his father, the the spirit brings Christ back. And so what what we want to begin this series with, and it it sort of lays the foundation for everything, is this this beauty of the gospel and this, the, the motivating power of the gospel and that same gospel that got, that same power of the gospel that got, that got Jesus up out of the grave is the same gospel power that will resurrect our deadness and our dullness and our flabbiness. God will bring us back. So here's the number one. We're going to look at like four uh, principles, ideas on this notion of, of, of trying to become fit, engaging, getting active. And this is the first one. Our true lifeline isn't a thing or a theory, it is a person. The gospel isn't a formula. The gospel isn't some theoretical notion that you can sort, that's sort of been you know, extracted from a book and you put it out there, you can chart it out. And if you just do this, then the, the right behaviors will emerge. The gospel is about a living Christ who came to the earth, jumped into the pool, came to us. We took him down with us because of our sin, but he got back up and he comes to the earth and he says, I will bring you back too. I will bring you back to, and you will be bigger and better than you've ever been. So that's what we want to begin with. So the first, the number one thing I want you to sort of begin to lay the foundation with as we think about getting active and so forth, is this idea of our true lifeline as a person, not a theory or an idea, and that person is Jesus Christ. So let me, let me go back to a passage, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Patty, we're going to look at the message version, the message version. Um, Hebrews 11, 1. Listen to this. Again, thinking in terms of laying the groundwork for what we're going to do over the next uh, three weeks, four weeks. 
The fundamental fact of existence, catch this, the fundamental fact of existence from the message version, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is that this trust in God, this faith, remember that's where we're starting, is the firm foundation. Say that with me on three, one, two, three, firm foundation. Good, you're with me. Under everything that makes life worth living, it's, a, it's, a, it's our handle on what we can't see. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. So what's going to set you apart from just any old other sort of fitness program or, or any sort of thing is that this one is grounded in a foundation of faith. It's grounded in a foundation of faith that sets you apart. It's not saying that you're any better than anybody else. It just says that, that you understand the purpose for this thing. It's not just so you can look hot. <laughs> Come on now, that was funny. Come on, yes. <laughs> it's not just so you can look good and get compliments. And a little bit later on, we'll see it's ultimately so that you can bring glory to your Father in heaven. So you can bring glory to your Father in heaven. So back to this notion of the gospel, back to this idea of faith. Jesus comes down, he rescues humanity. He is the lifeline. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 puts it this way. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. All right, here's that faith word again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one, no one can boast. All right, so here's the role of faith in this whole thing again. Faith unites us to Christ. Faith connects us to the lifeline. Faith connects us to the one who ultimately saves us. Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through, through faith. It's not through anything that you've done in and of yourself. It's not even because you, you, you changed your mind and you got the idea that you should probably make some change. It's ultimately because of Jesus and what he has done and because of the grace that he gives you. So think of, think of it in this way. Our faith, our faith unites us to this lifeline, this Jesus, who then saves us. And here, here's sort of the other reality that happens. When faith is awakened, when faith emerges in the life of someone, uh, they become a believer, right? When, this, when, they become, when there's this awareness of who God is and they place, um, they, they have a sense that, that there is a way out of the pool, if you will, and there's this awakening of faith that's given to us by God, then you get into another pool. It's right behind me. We call it baptism. So what's been going on on the inside of you, you're going to now physically demonstrate to the public and to the world, to the community, that, that, that you have a, a now public, very physical, visible faith as well. Stay with me. So we take you down into another pool and you imitate what, what Jesus did. You go down into the pool, you're buried, and we bring you back up, you're clean, sins washed away. But what you're doing with your body is saying, I stand with Jesus. My, my faith is not just in this theory. My faith is in a person. I am, I am professing that belief. And I'm not just going to do it quietly, internally over here by the side. I want to do it very publicly. I want you to see me. And so a lot of times when people come up out of the waters of baptism, what do they do? They go, yeah. Right? 
You remember a few weeks ago, uh, we, had, we had a baptism and, and, and she just couldn't stop smiling. So the, the, the internal reality of faith eventually spills over into the physical reality of, of you living and walking. In other words, people of faith, something's going to be different about y'all. Amen? There's going to be something different about the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you, the way you interact, the way you do things. So, you know, so I'm sitting there doing the worship set and I'm watching, you know, I'm watching Brooke over here. I'm trying to think, how am I going to keep up with her, you know? We got exercise classes coming. If she's doing that for worship, oh my Lord. So, so there's something about the physical reality of, of when we, when something on the inside of us begins to burst forth to the outside of us, there is, a, there is something big. So here's point number two. You remember point number one is that we're not just, our lifeline isn't just a theory or an idea, it is a person. Here's the second thought on this. Something happens in us, it's called faith. Long before anything happens on the outside of us or physically with us. You get that? Something must happen. If dramatic change is going to happen on the outside, it doesn't begin on the external. It doesn't begin on the outside with you. Something has to change. Something has to be awakened within you. Faith has to burst, has to emerge somewhere deep in the soul and it's awakened. And that is what propels us. That is what motivates us. That is what pushes us forward into something different. That's the whole idea of the second point. Something happens in us long before anything happens on the outside of us. And this is what happens within us that leads to an external reality. Faith brings an enormous sense of peace, right? Faith brings peace, it brings confidence, it brings a sense of security, it brings value, it brings acceptance, it brings love. All those things happen when, when, when Christ does his work, God does his work, faith begins to emerge within us. We receive peace, we understand, we have confidence, a good kind of confidence, not the other kind of confidence, this cockiness. We have security, value, acceptance, and love. Now, now think about that, when faith looks like that and we have that peace. Can you not operate from that, from that foundation and do something great? Can you not? I mean, think about, think about right now, if you just understood a deep sense of peace. You ever try to do something when there is no peace? It's hard, isn't it? Confidence. Ever try to do something when you have no confidence? Or maybe you have misplaced confidence. Ever done anything when you felt insecure? How does that go for you? Not, ever done any, try to do anything and you didn't feel valued? Ever try to do anything and you didn't feel acceptance or love? Jesus comes along as the lifeline. Faith emerges in our souls. The fruit of that is an enormous sense of peace confidence, security. We can, we can build from that in a healthy, in a good way. Now that's, that's, a, that's powerful, especially for those who have a long way to go, right? <laughs> right? So if you're, if you're kind of, you know, a long way from sort of getting it together in any area of your life, but in particular fitness, what better message for you to hear than it's all right, you're accepted. That's all right. Have some peace. 
It, it's, it's all right. You are, you are loved. You are valued right where you are. Because don't, we don't want to get into anyone sort of feeling like, oh, I can't do it and all that. No, 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 no. no. We're not saying that. What we're saying is because of faith, you are accepted. There's security. Don't be so self-conscious. It's all right. The God of the universe sees you as valuable, as loved. You're accepted. There's enormous confidence and security in that. It kind of makes things much clearer for us, doesn't it? Kind of gives us a bigger picture of, of what God wants to do in our lives. Kind of, kind of opens us up. A lot of times people say when people become people of faith, when they become Christians, they get more narrow. I actually think we actually get broader. We begin to think differently. We begin to be more holistic in this thing. So whereas my faith was only sort of put in the box of spirituality and Saturday mornings, my faith now extends beyond that box into every aspect of my life. My finances, my food, my fitness, my, my personal relationships, everything gets a little bit clearer when I operate from a position of faith, from a foundation of faith. It changes everything. So that's number two. Something happens in us long before anything happens on the outside. Here's the third thing if you're following along. God is not concerned about your body the same way the culture is. God is not concerned about your body the same way the culture is. Now, hang on to this because this is absolutely critical because we're talking about bodies and fitness and getting active and so forth. Listen to this. You know this passage. Um, Patty, I didn't give it to you because I planned on just quoting it. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. All right, so... So right from the get-go, people, let's not get all caught up in, in sort of the external. Again, the, the goal and the end of this thing isn't so that you get hot so you can receive accolades from the culture. The goal of this is that faith would spill out into the physical and something far more profound, all right? So God looks much deeper at us than we look at ourselves, and so here, here's how this sort of works out in reality. So the culture will see your body as a means for gratification, all right? This is especially true in a culture that's hypersexualized. We got, we got, it's image-driven, hypersexualized, and, and we will, and the culture will predominantly see your body as a means of gratification, all right? That's just truth and reality. I won't go down that track a whole lot here. Maybe we'll get to it later. But the culture will see your body as a means for gratification. In contrast to that, God sees your body as a means for his glory. As a means for his glory. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, right? Whom you, that's that work on the inside. Uh, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Check this out. Therefore, glorify God in your body. I thought y'all were with me. And in your spirit, which are God's. Right? So God sees your body as a means for his glory. Not yours, by the way. The culture will see your body as a means for gratification. And the question becomes... Whose tune do you want to dance to? 
If you choose God's, then what you understand is that your body is a means for his glory. Now, here's the fourth point, all right? Number three is God is not concerned about your body the same way the culture is, and you shouldn't be either. But here's the fourth idea. It's not what your body looks like that determines the glory. It's what you do with your body that determines whether you are glorifying God with your body. All right? That's absolutely critical. All right, so go, go to um, Romans 6.13. Check this out. Romans 6.13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, rescued from the pool. All right, check that out. And offer, listen to this, offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of of righteousness. See, often we get caught in what we look like as opposed to what we're doing with our bodies. So here's the deal. You can be the, the fittest person, man, woman, whatever you're doing, ultra marathons, and you're, you're doing all that sort of stuff. But if you're not doing anything with that body for God, you're cheating God of his glory. Woo. Ouch. So you might look good. You might have the appearance of health and well-being, and that's good. That's a physical thing. That's great. You're going to live a long time bringing glory to you. When the purpose of our lives and the purpose for our time here on this planet is ultimately to bring glory to God, not just with our mouths and on the inside, but also on the outside. And it's not just about how you look. It's about what you do with this body that God gave you. So the question, the challenge for you and me becomes not just getting slim and lean and fit and more active and more energy, but to focus that energy in the direction of the God who gave us the body to begin with. The Bible says this, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. It's not just the way your body looks, it's what you do with that body. So if you invest all this time and it's, and it's just, you're getting active and you're seeing results, you're looking in the mirror and you liking yourself. You look in the mirror, you're like, I look good. It's not about your glory. It's about what you do with that goodness that you have. How you use that for the glory of God. So if you're serving, loving, demonstrating the gospel to people, the Bible says you have a beautiful body beginning with your feet. That's good, that's, that's good news to me because I have ugly feet. Anybody got ugly feet? Just go ahead and confess it. Amen. The Bible says that God's not particularly concerned about your feet as long as you use them to demonstrate the gospel, to serve, to love, to, to help humanity. And not just you. And not just you. All right, our true lifeline. We go back over these things. Our true lifeline is a person, it is Jesus Christ. He is the one, He is the one who rescues us. That's the fundamental understanding that we operate with. It's, the, it's where our faith begins to emerge. So number two is something happens within us. That's, that's the faith thing. It begins to happen within us long before anything significant that brings glory to God can ever happen on the outside of us with our bodies. Lifeline is a person, 
Something happens on the inside long before the outside. Number three, God is not concerned about your body the same way the culture is. We need to remember that and get that. The culture sees it as a place of gratification. God sees it as an opportunity for glorification. And the last one, it's not what your body looks like that determines the glory. It's what you do with that body that determines whether or not you bring glory to God. My hope and my prayer is that as we go through these next several weeks, that ultimately we will become greater glorifiers of God. That in our bodies, as they get shaped, as they get toned, as they lose a few inches in all sorts of places, that we will lift high the name of Jesus. That we will use our feet to swiftly and in, in a very vital way, in a very energetic way, share the love of Christ with the culture around us. That it wouldn't just be about being fit, but it would ultimately be about being faithful to the God who saved us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for the reality of the gospel, God, that I pray would underscore everything that we do. Because where the gospel is, Lord, it casts such a big shadow that we're simply hidden in the background and you receive all the glory. So, Father, may we determine indeed to get active. May we determine to to join in and get fit, to hang with Brooke and to, to do all the things that we need to do. But may we do it for your glory and not our own. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good one, y'all.